The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. This week, we have a guest. Her name is Dr. Gabby, and she is a general dentist that does all the general dentist bread and butter procedures, but also looks into sleep apnea, Invisalign, cosmetic dentistry, and she's a practice owner as well as a mother. So we discuss all of that in this week's episode. And before I get into the rest of the intro, I do have to shout out our new podcast intern, Ella. I selected Ella to be the podcast intern, and essentially that means that she will be editing the segments I do with guests. So the solo episodes really don't need edits because I just record them and post them, and that is that, as well as the intros are posted every single week, real time, so none of that needs an editor, but the 20 to an hour long segments with guests were really cutting into my schedule with recording them and then weeks later having to go back and listen to them and edit them and I'm so thankful to have Ella to help me out and edit those episodes that way we can continue doing this podcast because I do truly love it I love this community I love the opportunities that it's given me and I love that it motivates and inspires you all that listen every single week I appreciate each of you so so much and I'm looking forward to continuing really great things with the Dental Download Podcast in the future. But for now, our intro, what happened in dental school this past week. So I'm recording on a Sunday evening, so the whole week is essentially over. It was Martin Luther King Jr. Day on Monday. This feels like so long ago looking back, and that Monday I met with Ella about the intern position, and we kind of went over how I edit the podcast and gave her a little tutorial, and I just did a lot of school catch-up because I was coming off of that ASDA conference that I did talk about in last week's intro. And then I had my annual OBGYN appointment on Tuesday, no in-person classes, and a quiz in periotherapy as well as a lecture. And then that evening, I had an in-person lunch and learn for ASDA. He is a local dentist, a general dentist, and associate, hopefully soon to be partner at a large group practice here in Ann Arbor. And he was an alumni, graduated about four and a half years ago from our dental school. So it was really great to get perspective on what it's like being an associate, transitioning into some type of partnership or ownership, perspective on group practice for a solo practice, corporate versus private. He had all of that to share with us. It was a really impactful lunch and learn, and I really enjoyed it. And then we had back to normal classes Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, which is usually when we're in person is Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but because of MLK Junior Day, we weren't back in person until Wednesday this past week. Nothing too crazy, really just normal sim lab and normal assisting and another ASDA lunch and learn on Wednesday night, but that one was over Zoom and I recorded with a podcast guest on Thursday. The only, I guess, notable thing was that we had our first quiz for diagnostic sciences. So we first sit down and do an individual quiz, 12 questions, and then we do the same quiz again as a group. So you were assigned into teams. Our class of 130-ish is broken up into 21 groups, so I think there's five or six of us in my group. And 
What's a little bit more unique than it just being a normal quiz is you rank your answer choices basically and you can fill out three choices per question. So if you're sure that the answer is A, you would say AAA, but if you're not too sure, you might say AAC. Or if you really have no idea, you would guess three different things and then it kind of splits up the value of each question. So it's kind of interesting and weird to get used to, but I was super nervous. It's really tough content and I wasn't sure if I would even pass the quiz, but I did pass. I think I got a high 70, so I was really happy about that. And then my group, our team quiz, we did an awesome job and only missed one portion of one question. So that was a good week. The only thing that was a bummer is I was supposed to be heading to Chicago on Friday and then celebrating my boyfriend's birthday there with all of his friends from undergrad. They all live downtown Chicago. We were going to stay at my sister's apartment. It was going to be a great time, but he ended up getting sick. And just to be safe, even though his COVID test was negative, we decided to just postpone it. We didn't really put any money into the weekend because we were just staying at my sister's. So we figured we can go another time. And unfortunately, again, to be safe, he's spending his birthday alone and I'm going to go visit him this coming weekend. And it actually kind of worked out nicely because there was a giant snowstorm today that would have been really, really brutal driving back in with being out of town last weekend for the conference in Columbus and then having to go right around to Chicago again would have also been really tiring. So it was really good for me to reset and everything. And I'm actually spent the whole weekend doing lab work and getting ahead on my classes. That way I can go see him Wednesday night. So I'll be there Wednesday through Sunday and I'm really looking forward to it. I'll be able to do my classes and lectures from there and I'll just be missing one lab, but I already worked ahead, so I'm not really missing any of the actual lab time because I went in over this weekend. So that's everything. Looking forward, and the next week's episode is going to be all about ASDA, my experiences and the conferences, and anything that I can share off the top of my mind. Um, I guess I mentioned this last week, I think, that I was going into elections for our as the chapter and I was elected president. So I'm super, super excited and grateful for the opportunity to support the chapter and support everyone else on our general e-board and our core e-board with their ideas and projects going into next school year. So that is everything for this week's intro. Let's get into the episode with Dr. Gabby. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello everyone. Today we do have another guest here and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hi everybody. I'm all smiles over here because this is my first time being interviewed and I'm Dr. Gabby Lozano. I have my practice here in Orange County in California. So thank you for having me, Haley. Thank you. Yeah. I figured today we could talk through quite a bit about your practice, kind of what different procedures you like to specialize in and also any advice you have for dental students and really like life balance too with working. So those were all topics I wanted to cover today. But 
first, if you could just kind of walk us through your journey into dentistry, if you've had any other positions besides your current practice. Sure. Um, You know, I do come from like a line of dentists. My dad was a dentist and um, I basically grew up in his dental office. So I saw how like being a private practice owner was growing up. And when I did graduate, um, I actually didn't start that route. I ended up going into like a very high HMO and medical office, but I loved it because I think it was just the rush that you have getting out of school that you just want to like do it all. So that's kind of where I started for a year. And then afterwards, um, I moved over into working with a federally qualified health clinic for meeting the the needs of the underserved, especially in ELA. And I speak Spanish, so I think that was really helpful in that line. But um, you know what? Like just kind of blending in life work balance. I ended up getting married. And then when I had my son, I realized there was just a lot of time spent at work and in the like in traffic. So I had to pivot and readdress what I wanted to do in order to keep working and then still be the mom I wanted to be. So I was an associate for about two years. And then um, that's kind of how I realized all the dentistry that I was doing in these health clinics was so different than private office. So taking a little CE courses really helped me um, just kind of hone in into what I really wanted to do. I don't, I don't, I think I like went through 60 on there, but you let me know <laughs> if that was a good answer. <laughs> no, that was great. And that gave us a lot of information to kind of pick apart as we go through this discussion here. I originally found you through Instagram. So that was exciting. And yeah. just like looking at your profile and some of your interests with treatment, you had on there sleep apnea. Could you tell us a little bit about what the role of sleep apnea is in your practice? Sure. So sleep apnea, I call it to be like the foundation because a lot of what we were taught is foundation could be talking about perio. We could be talking about ortho, but um, taking an orthodontic class, I then realized how much sleep apnea in my office has allowed me to grow my patient's education and awareness and start from the very beginning as to why they also don't feel motivated to take care of their teeth. It's because they don't feel motivated in many other areas of their life because of sleep apnea. So for a dentist to be able to see a patient as often as we do in comparison to a medical doctor, I think it's great that we plant the seed and then we have so much trust from them to keep talking about these issues and then give them alternatives rather than a CPAP, which isn't bad at all, but to just give them an alternative and so that they feel like there's hope and they don't have to be attached to a machine in a sense. Um, And so sleep apnea in my practice has also brought so much more, um, I guess you could say like a, a different take for my patients to understand what dentists can do. And it's been exciting. It's been life-changing. These patients come in so happy when they get their treatment. So it's definitely been a different approach to dentistry, but it's the way that dentists like to feel like we're making a difference in our patients' lives. That's awesome. And I think opening up those discussions too really does make patients think more about like the the mouth to total body connection and like how oral health has to do with systemic health and understand that us as dentists, can notice a lot of those 
I guess, like contributing factors just through our oral exam for other systemic issues. So I think it's really great to get those discussions going with patients. Definitely. Like, I think that's where you kind of get the deer in the headlights from them at first. Like, wait a minute, why are you asking me about my sleep? And it's because, yeah, there is so much related in the oral cavity that we can already address. And then they kind of understand how it gets so interconnected. So it's definitely, like you said, it's a very holistic approach to helping them out in so many different ways, which is, you know, it just makes our life even better or our career choice even better, in my opinion. Definitely. And you talked about in your introduction to your career that you were saying when you transitioned into private practice, the treatments you were doing were pretty different than the community clinics. Mm -hmm. How did you figure out which like CE you wanted to take and Were there any courses that you recommend for new grads? Definitely. Um, I first started with Rondo seminars, the orthodontic and sleep apnea seminars. I think that's a wonderful way to start because being in an underserved community, you start to see, you know, there's different stresses in life and different things that you wish you can kind of help with, but you're only, I mean, you're a little bit limited with what you can do. Um, So in private practice, it's wonderful that you can tap into those areas where sometimes just government programs don't tap into, but you can still help a patient out by talking to them about orthodontics or talking to them about their sleep. So that's been really fun for me to develop, you know, in my career. And did you say that you worked as an associate for a little bit and now you're an owner or are you still in the associate role? Yes. So I was an associate for a practice that's been there for about 40 years. And then two years later, I was presented with practice ownership. And so now I'm the sole provider and I'm the owner of the practice. It kind of came into my hands unexpectedly, a little bit different than most would say, because I really wasn't looking to be a practice owner at the moment. Um, But the way it happened was just something that I couldn't say no to. Yeah, that's always ideal if it just happens kind of naturally. Definitely. It definitely, like I told myself, like, okay, if I were talking to my best friend and she were to need my advice about this, what would I tell her? And I would tell her, like, jump on it. Like, you got to do it. Yeah. So that's, that's the reason I went for it. <laughs> and did you feel like, I mean, I guess you're living it now, but are you kind of changing the scope of that practice that you're now the owner of, or are you keeping it pretty similar to how things were running before? I am changing it. I would say, um, I'm just enhancing it. I like to say, because we're still doing implants. We're still doing ortho, which was great, but I, I say I enhance it because really sleep has taken it to another level and it really has been a grounding point for me to say, okay, this is what needs to be addressed first so that we can have even more success in other areas. And yeah, I mean, the practice went through its changes, its ebb and flows, but the dental work hasn't really changed or as far as our services. So that's always been great because when this practice came along, I loved my patients that I was going to get into. So not much has changed because of that. It's really just been an enhancement, as I like to say. And did you find that most patients were pretty receptive to the enhancements going on at the office, like equally excited about it and everything? Actually, yes. Um, of course, I think if if you really look at the big scheme or like what you really focus on, there are those patients that maybe just didn't click and with me and 
there was like an ebb and flow of some people that were like, oh, this is a little different for me. And others were like, okay, I'm digging it. And others were like quiet about it. And you just drop the seed. And then when they come back, they're interested again. And so one thing I really learned um, along the way was you just have to focus on what you really want out of the practice. And if I can focus on the patients that just click with me and are there with me, that's kind of how I felt the majority rather than um, kind of focus on the few that didn't work out or that just didn't click. So there was a lot of acceptance. And also my staff was the one that used to work there as well. So when your staff also respects you and also sees the uh, importance and the value in what you're sharing with your patients, it helps the patients also kind of jump on board. And did you, were you able to retain a lot of that staff from the transition or are these new employees? I did. Um, I still, I still work with them. So it was a small practice to start with. I mean, really small practice. It was just the doctor and two other, two other uh, staff members. So one of them didn't work out for the type of culture that I was trying to implement. And she was definitely okay with taking a different route as well, especially because then 2020 hit. So staying home was a little bit different. It was just a little change we had to have. But um, right now, my other staff member, she's been there for 16 years. So it's nice to have that retention. But I would say I, from the very beginning, I was really scared to make any changes with staff. And I was always told like, no, you need to make changes now. You need to make changes now. I mean, just when you're in it, it's really hard to pull the trigger and it's really hard to make those changes. So I'd say trust your gut when it comes to that, because I feel like my timing was just right. And so whatever decision you make, it's just the right timing for you when it comes to staff changes. And do you feel like a smaller practice is the right kind of style for you or did you think maybe you'd end up somewhere different? Definitely small practice. Maybe it's because I grew up as, a, as um, like a daughter of a dad who was in a small practice as well. Um, I don't mind working in a bigger environment, um, but I think for now, small practice is nice. I sometimes do think about like if you have another partner or you work in a bigger office, more hands can cover if you're not there. I think that's a big perk. But um, for now, I'm really happy with my private practice. I feel like the boutique route is definitely the way I would have wanted to start off anyway. And a few, just a few more questions about your practice specifically. Mm -hmm. So do you find that you're still doing a lot of marketing, even though you bought a practice with like that already had patients? That's a good question. I certainly did have to like ramp it up. So for marketing, um, my marketing was more solely focused on just having some online presence because there was already so much in-office marketing happening, which is wonderful. So when you get, you know, word of mouth and your own patients that want to advocate for you, I want them to be able to direct them to their online, you know, like Instagram or Facebook and find me. So the, uh, the marketing that I focused on was, I guess you can say in my hands which was the route I've taken. I've never done any other type of marketing. And so far we've been growing. So we're really happy (laughs) with that. That's great. Um, Mm -hmm. Like following up about, I guess, a different topic. We were talking about sleep apnea, how that's part of your practice. And you also talked Mm -hmm. about 
working with um, orthodontic CE and trying to learn more of that. And you do Invisalign at your practice. Can you tell me some more about how often you're using Invisalign treatment planning for patients? Sure. So Invisalign was really the first, gosh, how sad I even forgot it was, but it was the first uh, like milestone for me when I switched from the, the health clinics to private office. Um, Invisalign to me, I think is something that so many patients are so interested in. And it's, it's been a game changer for my office actually, because you add that extra like cosmetic factor for so many adults. So it's really been helpful to implement Invisalign in my practice. And I think it's been like three years that I've done it. And the resources that we have now to try and develop even more difficult cases with Invisalign and to get the results, it's been so fun getting into that challenge and having the technology of like a 3D scanner. All of that, I think, has sparked my love for dentistry even more because it's a really cool process that you're not hurting the patient and patients love you for it too. So it's, it's, do you have any examples that come to mind when I ask you about, like, I feel like with Invisalign and clear aligners, there's a lot of misinformation out there and people have a lot of preconceptions about like their case that they could or could not have with Invisalign. How do you kind of get through that patient education and all those conversations when it comes to the clear aligners with people? Sure. So I think like two cases that came to mind, which maybe you're touching on is, for example, one came to me because um, he was really interested in direct to consumer aligners, but he figured, you know what, maybe I should check my teeth first with the dentist. And I'm so glad he did because he had really bad perio. And to the point where I told him, you know, if you were to do this, even with Invisalign, even under a dentist's guidance, like you cannot be doing orthodontics. And it ended up that he's going to my um, periodontist because he just wasn't a good candidate for Invisalign. So to know that you also have a very fine line and, a, you know, for patients to understand like, Hey, I should be seen by a doctor. I should be seen and, and someone who actually knows how to work uh, orthodontics with clear aligners is very important. It's a very important to, uh, message to get out there. And I think the beauty of it is that it really can do so many, like it can go into different levels of orthodontics that before we didn't think it could. I like to tell my patients like a couple years ago, the technology wasn't there. But now it is. So it's really nice to have like that visual effect for patients. And I think that's what we achieve when we have the 3D scanner so that patients can really understand like, this is what we can do, but this is why the magic works with us as the dentist, like treating you, not, you know, the direct to consumer. Cause I'm assuming that's kind of what you're saying, right? Like the direct. Yeah. I think people see these like transformations online of I used X brand to straighten my teeth, but the model already had straight teeth before or whatever. And it's just totally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I always use um, like just certain examples to them. Like, look, like I wouldn't want somebody to send me like a laser that got made. And then for my, you know, for somebody to laser my eyes, you know, (laughs) like this is your own body that we're talking about. So I really think it should be 
a great message, like a very important message to our patients that, um, you know, a dentist should be supervising all this. And I've even treated patients with perio. They were, you know, they needed a lot of work, but it's like, okay, even though we have perio, we're going to get better cosmetic and restoration results if we get into orthodontics. And these are the patients that become your greatest advocates outside of the office. They are the ones that then tell everybody like, no, don't think about the commercials. You need to go to the office. So it becomes um, like your own marketing in a sense. And I think I never like had in my mind to be nervous or scared about like the, the pressure that's out there with these commercials, because at the end of the day, I just think, um, you know, there's enough for everybody to go around and the right people will come to you. And then there are people who have tried like Smile Direct or other companies and they realize it didn't work. So then when they come to you, they're one of your best patients because they really want the results to happen for them. And they're going to listen to everything you tell them because I've had that too. So I wouldn't be too concerned. I really think that these pioneers are the main way to go. And it sounds like a lot of the Invisalign cases you're doing are with adults. Do you Mm -hmm. also see a good amount of children and like families in your practice or is your practice mostly the adult age range? You know, I do see quite a few um, children because it's a, it's like a family practice as well. So I do see it and I do see a lot of interest in children for Invisalign, but I always say it's a big conversation to have with the patient because they have to understand the responsibility. And then you also have to keep in mind the growth spurts that we are still expecting in children or in adolescents. So I definitely think Invisalign is even great for children. You, It's just a matter of saying like not everyone's a good candidate for it, considering the type of how, like hobbies and habits that they have. But um, yeah, I think Invisalign is, is great for all ages, you know, for children and for adults. And I guess this is just looking at treating kids in general. I don't know if your (laughs) dental education was like this, but at my school, like I'm preparing to start in clinic in May and we've Mm -hmm. had like a couple classes that talk a tiny bit about (laughs) children and like reading radiographs for the different ages of development and everything. And we don't even see kids in our main clinic. You do like a pediatric rotation and that's it. So did you have a similar experience in dental school? Or did you, you know have more exposure? We had a lot of exposure. Oh, that's good. Um, with children. We did. We had a lot of exposure. And it was kind of funny because, I mean, it's not everyone's cup of tea or like forte. But I, I've, I've always enjoyed working with children. Um, but I would say that that's when you just want to, like, you want to yin and yang. If you're not really uh, what do you call this? If you're not really, uh, how do I say this nicely? <laughs> like, if you're not really sure of yourself and working with children, definitely find your, your partner in clinic that can be, you know, the substitute for you to help guide you. Because I did realize in dental school, um, I did have a couple friends that just weren't the greatest with kids. And so when I was able to help we just did a really good partnership, like a really good duo. And it just made that clinic go by even better and faster. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's totally a lot of a personality thing with kids beyond just learning the actual 
science behind everything too. Yes. Like, I think that's what I mean. Like it really comes down to the personality so that once you get cooperation, it's just like treating an adult, you know, but cooperation is first. (laughs) And I just have a few more questions that are more, I guess, reflective about your career as a whole. So what would you say has been like your, one of your favorite parts about being a general dentist? Oh my gosh. One of my favorite parts about being a general dentist is, well, there's lots of parts to it because I think it's multifactorial, but I really love the connection I make with these patients that, you know, they sign up to be lifers with you, (laughs) you know, because they're going to be just sending your family to you and you can treat in so many different ways. And there's always this sense of like, You keep learning as a general dentist and every year you're just learning more and more. So you feel like you keep bringing more to the table to your patients and it's reciprocated in a way that your patients also really find you to be a friend to them. So I feel like being a general dentist to me, I feel like I've seen them more often. I get to know their families. I just feel like I talk to friends all day. (laughs) That's kind of how it is for me. So I really enjoyed that part. Oh, that's awesome. That's definitely a a goal for me to, of course, feel comfortable and enjoy going into work every day because you like most of your patients. Yes, I think patient selection is always good, you know, and then you just start to attract people like you. And even your online presence will attract the people that resonate best with you. So that's also been something that I didn't expect, um, like online marketing to bring. So it's really been a nice, you know, like a nice surprise to my practice. And I guess in contrast, could you talk about a challenge that comes to mind when it is talking about practice ownership in particular? Sure. Um, The main thing I think everybody's been talking about right now is like staffing issues. That's been really tough because, um, again, I'm a small practice, so it's just like we a lot of weight together. We're a big team in that regard. So when someone is missing, we all have to pull that through. And so finding staff right now is quite the issue. Um, And then the other part I'd say is maybe even just understanding insurances. (laughs) So I think you really need to maybe take a few courses on that and just be guided through like anybody who already has that experience, such as an an office manager or front office, so that you as a dentist also know like, okay, this is what I'm doing, but what is the insurance part of it too? Because a lot of patients need to know that as well. Do you have any advice for a new grad that's working as an associate with goals to be an owner? Like how can they make the most of that time when they're an associate to gain some skills that they'll need when they're the practice owner? Yes. I mean, if there's already a doctor you admire, you like the way they work or anything that you like about them, reach out to them. So many people are so happy to help and just pass the baton in that regard as well. So when you're an associate, if there is a challenge, like a challenging um, part for you in dentistry, be really open to who you work with about you know, you wanting to grow that area or how they, how they have trouble, how they can troubleshoot in order to keep learning and keeping the communication lines are really important um, because some associates feel like they can't talk to their boss, but I think that their boss would also love to, to hear 
you know, here are the challenges that they have in order to keep their office growing as well. So definitely be open with them. And if there is a doctor that you admire, shadow them. Or if they're across the country that, you know, you can always ask online. People are so open to um, sharing their tips like, oh, what kind of composite did you use? And all the things I found so many doctors. I mean, till this day, I still ask doctors because I'm so curious and people are very gracious and they share their information. Yeah, I agree. I think dentistry is, from my experience, everyone's always very willing to help another dentist or a dental student out. So that's one of the great things about our profession, I think. Definitely. It's been nice. It's really nice to see because I feel like sometimes getting out of school, you don't know if people are going to be open about it. Like it still feels like kind of competitive out there, but really it's not. Everyone's really open to helping. And one last thing I wanted to ask about, you mentioned earlier that you have a son. So how do you manage being a mom in addition to showing up to work, doing the work, and then also all the background that goes into managing the business too? Great question. I have to say it takes a village. Um, I really couldn't be doing all of this if I didn't have the support that I do. And that comes a lot from my husband who he's the one who picks up from school. I take him to school in the morning, but just those um, little details, it just takes a village. And also you have to be very intentional with the time that you do spend at home and the time that you do spend at work. So that way when I'm home, I really try and be as present as possible and leave work at home as much. I mean, leave work at the office as much as I can. Um, And also plan out your, your vacations, like plan out days off and don't feel guilty about that because those days of rest just come, you know, they, you just need them and they recharge you even more so that when you go back to work, everything just kind of comes full circle to say, this is all worth it. I think that's what I've learned. (laughs) Yeah. And you were telling me before we started recording that Friday is more of like your admin day for everything. Are you open your office Monday through Thursday or do you work weekends ever? Yes. So I work Monday through Thursday with patients and then Fridays are typically admin day. During the holiday season, typically right now in December, um, I tend to open up Saturdays just to make it easier for patients because I know taking work off is a little harder or getting work or getting out of work early is a little bit more challenging. So typically I do not open Saturdays um, just until December. Got it. So Mm -hmm. you gave a lot of great insight today. I really appreciate it. But before we wrap up, I wanted to give you the opportunity to share any final advice or words of wisdom for dental students listening. Sure. Thank you. Um, Gosh, so many lessons to be learned, but I would say that you have to trust yourself that you're in the right place at the right time. Like don't overthink or, or doubt yourself. If you sometimes just don't feel ready, sometimes that's just the sign that you have to jump into it because everybody's learning as they go. And I think sometimes when it comes to um, like your intentions and your mindset, that's going to be something I would want people to focus on, especially coming out of dental school, trying to make your work-life balance happen for you also means that you have to focus now more on yourself because we, we focus so much on our studies throughout these years. I would just recommend for students to take care of themselves, take care of your 
of your health, take care of your habits and take care of your mindset. I love that. That's a great reminder for me as I'm in the middle of busy (laughs) finals weeks and stuff. Definitely. I mean, we just do what we got to do to survive. But once you're out of it, remember to just breathe and take it easy and just reassess and recharge. Definitely. So is there a good way for people to follow you or if they have questions, where should they reach out? Of course. Uh, You guys can always contact me at my direct phone because I don't mind at all. Um, I can leave my phone number with you like on the notes if you'd like. Yeah. And if anything, we can always contact each other um, via Instagram. So I, my Instagram is drgabby.bstreetsmiles. So it's just D-R-G-A-B-Y dot B street smiles. So yeah, I'd love to hear from any, anybody and I'd love to help as much as I can. Well, thank you so much today, Dr. Gabby. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Haley. This was so fun. And thank you so much for having me.